Well, welcome back, everybody, um, especially to our college students. If you're here back from the break, glad you're here. And, um, uh, you know, last week we kicked off a series called Living Stones, and um, that really came from us as a leadership team pulling together and just seeking God in December and saying, Lord, what do you have for us as a church in 2019? Because, you know, we wanted to get a clear word from the Lord so that we can have direction from him. Um, Because we have lots of great ideas, right? And so if you're a business owner, if you are a college student in a degree or whatever it is you're doing, we have lots of great ideas and God created our minds and so we wanna be able to use those. But the trump card in all of our great ideas is God's ideas. And we want our ideas to be in alignment with him, but sometimes we miss just taking a step back and saying, okay, this sounds right, but God, would you just kinda give us your fresh take on this? And the Lord may say, absolutely, what you've already been planning, I've been in it the whole time, you're good to go. Or he may say, you know what, I want you guys to focus in on this. So that's what we did. We just took a step back and said, God, what do you have for us? And he spoke to us about this word called um, uh, living stones, and it comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, we can't take on this identity of living stones, and we can't really become them unless we take a few first steps. And so last week we talked about some of these first steps, I just want to recap them for you, because in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and 3, the verses leading up to Verse four and five, it says this, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. That's like the fab five of sin, right? Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So Peter here is writing to us, hey, With this word of the Lord for us, living stones, that's pretty exciting. We're gonna be unpacking that. Oh, but hold on a second. Before we step into that word, step into that reality, into that identity, we've gotta actually step back a little bit and realize there's some things we need to kind of clean up house on. And so it says malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. And so you have to put away or repent from, is another way to say it, because those things will actually hinder your ability to be living stones. That's what Peter is saying. You actually have to put stuff away so you can become something new. You can't just pile on something on top of something else. You actually have to remove those layers that are unhealthy, that are not godly, so that then you can actually have on the new identity. Now, um, many of you maybe don't know this. I didn't know this much, but I was looking it up, and filled stone and limestone walls are most commonly found in buildings, even in our country, from over at least 100 years ago. Because the technology at the time was that most people used stone. Brick was actually less common, and so stone was used, and, it, and essentially they had, this, they had this technique of mixing up their own mortar and laying these stones in place to actually form walls. But in these homes or in these structures, the walls could actually deteriorate and lose strength over time, which oftentimes, and that causes cracks in the stone or in the wall, and there becomes a, a for for a particular stone or for a portion of the wall, becomes this kind of inward bowing effect. So we have a stone, and if the mortar joints on the other side start cracking or start loosening, 
it starts bowing in the wall. So you have this kind of bowing effect. And that's really caused because of one of two things. Either the mortar is starting to lose and deteriorate because mortar 100 years ago maybe wasn't that great. This is stuff that connects all the stones together. Or it's because of the pressures from the earth common, uh, commonly. So whenever it rains, right, the soil soaks up water, and then whenever that water evaporates, then the soil dries out. And so in the realm of foundations and structures, you have an expanding of soils, right? So you have an expanding and a shrinking, which is why if you live in a home in Bryan College Station that was built at least 20, 30 years ago, there's a very strong chance you look up at your walls, you're like, where's that crack from? It's because our soil by the generosity of God, tends to expand and contract a lot. Um, and so that makes it very difficult to build a house that won't have any cracks. So don't be that concerned. If there's a little bit of crack in your wall, every house has it, okay? Because of that expansion and contraction, right? But that's because of the earthly pressures, right? Those cracks occur because of the soil, because of the changes there. And I was thinking about that, and like, okay, that's what happens to walls. That's kind of how they get, that's how they lose their strength, right? And the Lord brought me to Ephesians 4, 14, 16, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, and I put in parentheses, worldly pressures. That, that's kind of what those are. Every wind of doctrine, human cunning, craftiness and defeat, de- deceitful schemes, these these worldly pressures, but it says in verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see, the cracks occur when we give into the pressures of the world, and when we are not properly joined together with Christ and with one another. See, it's not just being joined to Christ. It is being joined to one another. Your salvation is not in the person sitting next to you or in your life group leader or your friend or your roommate. Your salvation is in Christ, but you are just a standalone piece of rock if you are not joined with him and his people. And I haven't seen a whole lot of one rock walls. I don't see a lot of people just doing the one rock thing for their home. Hey, look at this great home. It's a rock, man. Usually you need four sides, or at least three. I can do a triangular home. But I mean, you you, got to have other rocks in place, right? Which is when Jesus said, hey, where two or three are gathered, I am there. That means you can't just be one rock, man. It's, it's, It's multiples together. There's this idea of the wall being built, of it being strengthened. And when the worldly pressures come, that wall, instead of losing instead of losing its strength, because your mortar is actually, Jesus is connecting you not only as the cornerstone, but he's actually the joints connecting us. All of a sudden, when, you're, when you are sure in your faith in him, then you just won't be weakened. See, we are weakened when we lose the faith and the connectivity with Jesus. But as long as we are growing up in him, we stay connected to each other, the walls will remain. And you know, if you're here this morning and you're realizing that, hey, maybe um, there's a few cracks in my stone. Maybe there's a few cracks in your stone, which maybe that means when in Peter, 1 Peter, you know, verse 1 through 3, it said about hypocrisy and envy. Like, there might actually be some places in you as a living stone to where 
there's just a few cracks. Like you've allowed some, some, some worldly pressures, if you will. You've allowed some, some worldly temptations in your life to be envious of someone else's relationship or someone else's boyfriend, and I don't. You may have allowed yourself to, to kind of dabble a little bit in some hypocrisy and some, and some judging of someone else. You may, have, you may have realized, wait a second, there's actually some stuff going on in my life that it's now, you know, it's not, it's not destroying me, but it is a crack. And, you know, it's really hard for cracks to actually reverse course. But that's why we have Jesus. <laughs> because although it's actually impossible for the stone to come back together once it's cracked, Jesus says, no, I can make all things new. I can actually take your cracked stone, your fissure stone, your stone that actually doesn't look like it's going to fit very good in the wall, and I can reshape it, I can chisel it, and I can form it, and all of a sudden, I, put a, I, I give identity to you, and now you are in the wall. Oh, isn't that good? Isn't that good? You can be the most roughest looking piece of stone, even with like all the moss stuff on it, like the gross moss stuff. You're like, oh my gosh, it's, you know, that's, it's not even stone. What is that thing? It's living, but it's something else, you know? I mean, no, he can even take that. And he chills you out and says, no, no, I got a place for you. I've got a place for you in the wall. And what's amazing about Jesus is that um, it's all about coming to him. We talked last week about actually coming to him, that you, if you have these things, you have these cracks, you have these envy, these different things, you know what? You can put them away, you can print from them because you come to Jesus. And Jesus is all about us coming to him to be vulnerable, to be honest, to say, this is what I've done, this is where I've been, this is what I've been thinking about. For coming to him and saying, Lord, I repent, will you forgive me? It's very simple, right? Just this weekend, I had the opportunity to train my children in this way of living, of saying to someone, I am sorry, I am asking for forgiveness, you know, and I make them look at each other in the eyes and say, hey, you need to say you're sorry, and what we all want to do, right, we all want to do this, I'm sorry. You know, I mean, that's, that's what we want to do. Like, that is, that is flesh. That's in every human, by the way. But what's your age? Like, that's what we want to do. But when you had the life of Jesus in you, what we have to do is we have to commit to saying, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? That's how we have to respond. And that's actually how God wants us. God, God doesn't want to say, hey, um, God, I'm really sorry about that. That's, he's not looking for that. God, um, I'm sorry, people don't hurt me, right? Because now you have a mindset that God's just gonna beat you up, which is not him, because he's a father. And the father's like, I, I love you. I just want to restore this relationship with you because you've broken trust. You've broken trust, and so I want to restore that trust like right now, like in the next four seconds, but I need you. I need you to look at me in the eyes and to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And I need you to just be quiet for a second and know and hear my voice and say, yes, I forgive you. I love you. Let's go on. You know, sometimes when I am... I, I will picture myself, I need to repent, and, and, and sometimes when I'm feeling down, I'll like picture myself kind of approaching Jesus and have like my shoulders slumped, and I'll be like, oh man, just, Jesus, I'm really sorry, I'm just kind of feeling like really down about it and all this stuff, and, 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 I'm, and the thoughts that can come to my mind are, Tyler, you're really unworthy, and so you're so unworthy that I'm not even sure Jesus is going to forgive you. Like these subtle lies can come in, you know, and and, and you can say, man, you're so unworthy, you shouldn't even be married right now. You're so unworthy, you shouldn't even have kids. I mean, you're, your whole life, you should just be, and all of a sudden, it just can go down that moment. And, and what, I, what I love is in these moments, I'll like feel this kind of weight or something, 
And then in my mind, it's like Jesus is right there, and he, and he takes his hand and just picks my chin up. He says, I forgive you. Now get up, stop wallowing, and let's move on. Whereas we want to say, well, no, no, Jesus, shouldn't I like serve like a sentence? Shouldn't I be in timeout for a little while? Right? Because, I mean, you know, I did a bad deed. I should probably offset that with some other. He's like, that's not who I am. There's a bunch of religions like that, but that's not me. Um, the relationship is you come to me, and I say, you are washed, you are cleansed through and through. Let's go. I love it about Jesus. I think he actually says, let's go a lot to us. But what we tend to think is stay there and just feel bad, which is the enemy, right? Because that's what he loves to do. He wants you to stay there and feel bad and not do anything, to be like a do-nothing Christian. So Jesus is saying, do something. Get up and follow me. So I want you to know, wherever you are this morning, whatever you've done over the last month, I don't know. I don't really care. He cares, though. And if you haven't come clean to him, I want to give you a chance at the end of today just to come clean, to have, Lord, just clear the decks, God. Anything I've done from little to big, Lord, if there's any cracks, anything I've done, Lord, I want to come to you again in a fresh way and say, will you forgive me? Because I want to hear your voice again and say, yes, I forgive you. Get up and let's go. So thankful for Jesus. We talked about how Jesus is the cornerstone. So I want to, I want to read this passage again as we dive into what we're talking about today. In 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So today, we're gonna be talking about what does it mean to be a spiritual house, right? So we are living stones. He's saying, coming together to be built up as a spiritual house. Now, um, I have a, a, a little bit of construction background and um, recently got finished building a house a little while ago. And, you know, whenever you have masons come and build a house, and especially when they're laying brick or stone, um, there's different ways you could do the brick and stone. And if you're not a construction person, you can just think of Legos for a second, okay? So everyone knows what Legos are. I did not grow up with Legos. I wish I did. My kids do, and they are phenoms at the Lego building stuff. And... Um, but if you ever tried to do Legos, let's say you're like competing with someone, hey, who's gonna build the tallest Lego tower, right? And so you can do it one of two ways. You can take a bunch of Legos, the same size, just stack them on top of each other and just see how high that's gonna get, right? Just, it's like, you know, the ones with like the little six dots and you just keep, you just keep stacking them up. Or you can actually overlay them and stack them this way, right? Which one's gonna get taller? Please tell me you know the answer, right? I mean, it is, it is this one, just so you know, okay? You can't do this one. So have you seen many houses or brick walls around town that the mortar joint is just one solid line all the way up, all the way? Where it's like stack bricks, mortar, stack bricks, mortar. Now, why is that not a good idea? You may not have thought about this, but why is it not a good idea to actually just stack bricks on top of each other in the single file column with the mortar joints to the left and the right? Why is that not good? It's not good because if you actually had one brick crack or one brick removed, then the rest of it would just go, and then it would start to then bow the whole wall, and the whole thing would crumble. If you take literally one or two bricks out of a wall like that, there's a very strong chance very soon after that, that wall will begin to crumble. But if you take them and you actually interlock them and overlay them on top of each other, it doesn't matter if one brick's removed because the other bricks still carry the weight. Do you understand? And so when you talk about a spiritual house, 
You have to be a people that will actually interlock, enter and, and, um, with, with, with our relationships, with our time, with our giftings, with, with who we are. If we all stand as solo, no, no. We actually have to overlay, which means we need covering from each other. You cover me, I cover you. I honor you, honor me. We need a relationship. I'm doing well, I'm not doing well. We need each other to forgive each other. We need this thing called the church, called community. That is a spiritual house. And that's how a wall is built. Because if it's not built that way, if there's not this, this understanding of we are crossing over in each other's world, and if we just live in our little houses and we just go to work and go home, we never talk to anybody, that is not the way to live as a Christian. That's not the way to live as a believer in Jesus Christ. And it's not just with bricks, but the stones the same way. Which means when I, when I think about that picture, there is a interdependence, not only upon Jesus, but upon one another for our strength for our growth, for our stability. That's what the church is. But as we know, Peter's not just talking about um, us being built up and, or, or us rebuilding the temple of old. He's not literally talking about go and rebuild the temple we had a couple thousand years ago. No, no. He's talking about us being built up into God's new temple in the New Testament, the one where Jesus is the head and we are his body. The one where Jesus is the chief cornerstone and we're the living stones connected to him in relationship. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Wow, isn't that cool? You're actually God's temple. That may freak you out to think about that for a minute, but you are God's temple. You're his temple because the spirit of God dwells in you. Which means, I said this last week, you are never alone. You're never alone. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you've received him by faith, he says, then I will give you my spirit, my Holy Spirit, which means you're never alone. You may feel alone in human relations, but you are never alone. God is always with you. This spiritual house is being built up so the spirit of God can dwell with us. It's not a building made with human hands. It's not a building made with just stone. It's the church. It's the community of people that have been redeemed by the power of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 20, it says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Let me read it again. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, so I'll say in the spiritual house, each one of them as he chose. Wow, he chose you, and he arranged you, and he put you on the wall. And some of you guys want to be like up at the top part of the wall. You're like, hey, man, why am I not at the top? You know, and others are like down at the bottom, and some are like in the middle, and you think you got lost in the shuffle. <laughs> but I just want you to rest in this. God knows where you need to fit. But you will never be fit there unless you submit to him. You'll be a rogue stone that's like sitting over here, left out. Hey, what about me? Well, you never surrender to Jesus because you've got to actually surrender to him in order to be put in the wool. You've got to say, you are Lord. You are king. You, you are the one for you. And you've got to say, I want to be connected to you, the cornerstone. But that also means you're connected to people. So you can't just say, man, I just want to be connected to Jesus. But all this Christian folk, nah. <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm a Christian without all them. 
And you know what? To some sense, are you saved by grace? You're not saved by the people around you. You're saved, by, you're saved through faith in Jesus Christ? Absolutely. But Jesus did not say, find life salvation in me and then live by yourself, never be in relationship. He didn't say, love the Lord your God with our heart, soul, heart, soul, mind, and strength and forget about your neighbor. That's not what it says, actually, in Mark 12, 30, 31. It says, he said, I'm gonna sum up all the laws, all the prophets, all the commandments and these statements right here, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, which all of a sudden, hold up, that means you've gotta actually love God, you gotta love people, you actually gotta love yourself. Wait a second, is this some like self-help preaching? Love yourself, I'm sure there's a book out there that says it's weird probably. But when Jesus says it, it's not weird. Because what's he saying? Love yourself. Love what kind of stone you are. Love the gifting. Love, love, love the calling. Love the personality. Love the stature. Love the hair color. Love where you came from. Love where you're going. Love everything about who you are, not in a very weird, narcissistic, strange way, but because God made me, and I'm gonna love who I am because he made me. And for me to discredit who I am, for me to spit upon who I am, for me to look in the mirror and to say, I am disgraced by what I am seeing, that is a direct insult to God who made you. So for you to compare yourselves with other stones is completely off. It is sin. It is hypocrisy and envy and jealousy. Everything Peter just said, you can't be a living stone unless you actually understand that God handcrafted you. You cannot look at your children as a parent and say, wow, that kid's really from us. We love that one. This one, he's a runt. I don't know what happened to him. This one's good. But you know what? Parents think that. They, they prefer. They're like, oh, man, if they could all just be like them. Now, look, there's characteristics, right? It's like, oh, if they could all just be servant-hearted. Well, you know, you can train that in someone because we all need that because, you know, God makes us, and we're a pretty rough cut, but... The way, we get, the way we get smoothed out over time is by coming to him, the master craftsman that chisels me, that comes and tinkers a little. You know, you ever had a, a metal spike with like a hammer trying to chisel off something on you? That's going to hurt just a little bit. Now, thankfully, he's a little kinder than that. He's not, but, but in, the, in, in that sense, he's chiseling away stuff. And there's sometimes there's a really big chunk that's got to come off. <clears throat> And, 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 and let me just say, if you're a stone that's kind of squirming, when he's trying to get that chunk off, he may miss a few times. So, like, ow, ow, and it's like, didn't have to be this way, but you're running. If you would just sit still and be quiet and know that I'm God and allow me to do my work instead of squirming, I mean, right, you do not want to squirm at the dentist. Open wide, oh, ow, 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 no, you don't want to do that. But we get so squirmy when we get underneath surrendering to Jesus and allowing and saying, God, would you shape me? Would you sanctify me? Would you, we want to say that, we worship that, but you know what that really means. That means he says the way is narrow that leads to life. It's like, Lord, it's getting a little skinny here. <clears throat> On this road, I'm not really, I'm, I mean, it's, it's narrowing. It's like, I'm feeling a little squeezed here. Oh, man. But, guys, we should not push away that. 
We should not say, oh, Jesus, don't. You should say more. You know what I see throughout the life of Jesus and the Gospels? I see him going after people that are hungry. That's what I see. The woman who had the internal bleeding for years, she was so hungry, she fought through the crowds, and even Jesus' own disciples tried to keep her away, and she just, uh, I see her doing this, like, this, this dive to Jesus' cloak, you know, just to what he's wearing, just like, boom! Jesus like, hey, who just touched me? Well, the woman didn't actually touch him. The woman actually touched just his clothes, and the power came out and healed the woman. <laughs> Did she look foolish? Totally. But, you know, she's the one laughing. She got healed. I'd much rather look like an idiot and get healed. <laughs> but um, you've got to be hungry. You, you've got to be a little active. You may, you may be living. You may be a college student with roommates. You're like, dude, why don't you watch this show with us? It's so cool. And you're like, well, because I'm trying to do something different in my life. I know when I put that stuff into my mind and my heart, it just messes with me. So I'm trying to remove that from my life for a season because I want to really whatever. And like, oh, come on, they're razzing you. You know, but like you are for the better. Because you're, you're, you're making a choice to be chiseled, to be shaped, to be molded again. And guys, when we talk about this word for 2019, that's what we want. We want to be living stones that are built up as a spiritual house because, because we want to be people that are sanctified by Jesus. We want, to, we want to go back to the basics again and say, God, what do you have for me? Lord, what, what does it look like just for me to simply obey you? I, I don't need a thousand one things to do. I just need a few things to do. And what's so great is it makes it so simple. Love me. <laughs> I love the people around you. Spend time with me. Spend time with the people around you. Ask forgiveness and forgive people. It's very simple how he's laid it out. So we are many members built up in this spiritual house. And just the question I want to ask us today is, um, are you willing? Are you willing to be part of this spiritual house? Are you, <clears throat> are you willing to say yes? I'm going to say yes to Jesus again. I'm going to surrender to him again. I'm going to ask for him to mold me, shape me, do whatever. I'm going to say, Jesus, whatever is in my life that is not of you, remove it, expose it. Are you willing to pray that prayer? That's a tough prayer to pray because I believe he'll answer it. And he may show you things that you actually don't want to have to deal with. (laughs) So why are we being built up as this spiritual house? Like, why does this really matter? Because Firmly, what I believe when we read the scriptures is when we are built up as a spiritual house as living stones, what that means is then we are being built up so that the spirit of God can dwell in us and amongst us. That's our desire, guys. We're not trying to be the slickest church in Bryan Call Station. We're not trying to, we're just trying to honor God in such a way to where his presence shows up amongst us in us, through us, to where the businesses we're working at, the schools we're teaching at, the campuses that we're on, the neighborhoods we live in, the light of God is shining through us and us around us because the Spirit of God is with us. And let me just say, you can tell when someone is lit up by the Spirit of God. Can't you? You can just tell. And you can also tell when someone's empty. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their eyes. You can see the emptiness and the pain and whatever they're going through. And when you meet someone else, though, that's a living stone, you're like, hey, man, where are you out of the wall? Are you over there? Are you on that row? Oh, it's great. Right? All of a sudden, you start seeing it's not just this. It's not just Antioch Community Church here. There's living stones all in this city. 
and you say, man, where are you at? And, and you get to encourage them. You get to, hey, man, how's the, how's the chiseling going with you and Jesus? What? I mean, are you allowing him to chisel you? Or were you chiseled 10 years ago and you're done with that? Because he didn't say stop being chiseled. He said continually being sanctified, molded, be more like Jesus. The way we just said it for years is, hey, I just want to be more like Jesus. So whatever is going to hinder me from being more like Jesus, I don't want it. So God, show me whatever's going to hinder that so I can be more like you. That's our hope, guys. Our hope is that we would collectively join together to be a people connected to Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, built up as living stones to be a spiritual house so that the Spirit of God can dwell in us and amongst us. It says in 1 Corinthians 3, 16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It may be slandered, it may be mocked, it may be oppressed. The last I checked, it's the only thing that's lasted the last 2,000 years. It's the only organization, it's the only community, it's gonna keep going. Empires will rise and fall, the church will not. Because Jesus is the cornerstone. He already defeated the greatest empire the world has ever known called Satan and his empire. He's already defeated him. And we now get to partner with him and say, hey, we're in his army now. And he's given us incredible weapons called love, forgiveness. I mean, forgiveness is probably one of the greatest weapons out there. My gosh. I mean, forgiveness, it's just like 30 years just melts. You know, just the anger that just, I mean, forgiveness. Oh, he's given us such simple weapons to fight this battle. And we're gonna fight the battle because in this city, we are called to reach people who don't know him. People that are stones out here that are dead stones are not alive. You become alive when you come to know Jesus. You become alive, you become active. All of a sudden, life, all the possibilities open up. There's hope again. And that's what we're wanting for our community. So I want you to stand. I want to invite the band up as we close this morning. Invite our prayer teams up here to come on and make your way up here. As I was just finishing up this message, I just got a sense that this morning um, there is going to be a couple of responses that I want you to respond to. And you know, if you're new to Antioch, we oftentimes want to invite you to respond to the message because if you don't, you'll probably forget about it after lunch. And um, a lot of times God invites us into moments that if we skip it, if we pass on, if we think we'll get to that later, we just don't. We're just humans, and we're just inundated with stuff. And so I want to invite you in this moment right now to respond to him. You can respond in a few different ways. You can respond where you are, and you can respond by coming forward and letting these guys pray for you. But specifically, just got the clear sense the Lord was wanting us to ask the question, what is holding you back? What is holding you back from becoming this sharpened, chiseled living stone that is connected to the church? this living stone that is part of being built up in the spiritual house. And what I sense he was asking was that in this room, there is hesitation. In this room, there is pain. In this room, there is disillusionment with the church. Not just this church, just church in general. That you have not fully invested yourself into his people because of a past experience that went wrong. And I want to acknowledge that when things go wrong, it doesn't make them right. 
but you have a choice, which is to have the rest of your life be dictated by a bad experience or by a bad conversation or miscommunication. Or you can say, Jesus, I need you to heal that because I'm sick and tired of having excuses as to why I won't just say yes to you. I'm sick and tired of excuses for why I just won't get into a life group. I'm sick and tired of showing up to a discipleship and not being real with people. I'm sick and tired of, in my private thoughts, just getting angry at church leadership. I'm sick and tired of judging other churches in the city or when I hear one thing and my mind goes to negativity. I'm sick and tired of that. And I, and I don't wanna live that way because I know that one day I'm gonna show up to heaven and you're gonna say, what were you doing? <laughs> you were wasting your time. I had a plan for you. I had a purpose for you. I had this amazing spot in the wall for you to come alive, to be sharpened, to be chiseled. I had such a purpose in your life. And yet you threw it away because some weird person messed you up or some situation or your parents sold you something that wasn't true. I don't know. But Jesus will not sell you something that's not true. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, he said that the body of Christ, he's the head and we are the body. Which means if you're gonna be on board with Jesus, you gotta be on board with his body. And you gotta know there is a place for you. I don't exactly know where that is, but he will help you find it and we'll work with you to find that place. But you need to know the place starts being connected to him and getting connected to this church, to this people. So I wanna invite you forward this morning. If you're saying, you know what? There's something that has hindered me in the past, whatever it is. I need someone to come and pray for me and break that off my life. I need someone to come and pray for me and to say, I'm gonna speak truth where there's been lies. I need someone just to hug because this is bringing up a bunch of stuff I don't want it to bring up, but I need healing. So if you're here this morning, please, it could be big or small. Do not leave here thinking, I'll just figure this out on my own because Jesus didn't say, figure stuff out on your own. He said, come to me and come to my people and we'll walk with you. So Lord, we just ask this morning that you would just be so gracious and so kind. You would pick our heads up if our shoulders are slumped. You would speak into the places of pain and hurt and that you would redeem whatever's been lost in the past and you would say, there's a place for you in the wall. Now come and say yes to me. Come and say yes to me again. Get in the wall, get involved in this community, get involved with people's lives. Yes, it's messy, oh, but it's good, but it's worth it. It's worth it to walk with the people so that we are built up together, not by ourselves, but together as a spiritual house where the Spirit of God can dwell. Thank you, Lord.